and welcome to the Petco podcast. In this series, we'll be speaking with key industry participants to gain their insights into the latest trends for petroleum coke markets around the world. In today's episode, we'll be discussing developments in the Russian pet coke market and the impact that COVID-19 has had in the sector. The Pet Coke podcast is brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. My name is Elisa Schenerdem. I'm deputy editor of the Energy Argus Petroleum Coke Reports, and I'm here today with Yuri Burenko, who is trading director at Berlin-based DYM Resources, which is a company specialized on niche oil product sourcing from post-Soviet Union countries with a major focus on Russian products. Hi, Yuri, and thank you for accepting our invitation. Hello, Ariza. Thanks a lot for inviting. Uh, it's a pleasure, really. I'd like to start with the first question. There has been a, a contrast on supply fundamentals in Russia compared to other producing markets in the first half of 2020. What are the reasons behind this? Uh, the beginning of this year was very rich on uh, different news. And uh, let, let me just briefly name a few factors which influenced stable supply from Russian refineries. So the first reason was global COVID pandemics, which uh, decreased demand in uh, motor fuels. Uh, around the world, uh, most of uh, coker units were operating on decreased uh, uh, levels. The second reason was Russia, Saudi Arabia, oil price war uh, with collapsing oil prices. So there was definitely lower uh, demand for crude oil from Russia. The third reason was disputes between Russia and Belarus, both in economical and political spheres. And the, uh, and the major uh, dispute was on fair prices on crude oil supplies from Russia. So all of, all of that uh, put some pressure on selling crude oil or on exporting crude oil uh, from Russia. And uh, for sure to support somehow uh, Russian oil companies, uh, the government decided to uh, keep stable at least the uh, local demand or uh, local refining. So they decided to do all the uh, maintenance uh, works, uh, uh, not in spring as they usually did it, but during autumn. So during the first half of this year, all refineries were working, I would not say normally, but uh, at least they were trying to not uh, uh, to minimize losses uh, and to max maximize their outputs. That's why we saw uh, that the supply was very strong from all Russian refineries. Right. Thanks a lot for that comprehensive uh, picturing of what was happening in the first uh, half. And I'd also like to extend it with a follow-up question on what's happening in the second half. Is, is the supply situation still the same or are those maintenance now, maintenance works uh, gone live and uh, do you see any, any uh, downside to, to the supply? Yeah, you see uh, Russian refineries got some relief and uh, uh, as they cannot operate without maintenance, Starting from mid of this summer, 
most of those refineries closed for uh, turnarounds. So till now, most of them already did uh, all required works. I'm speaking about uh, Perm, Volgograd, Taneco, Omsk refinery. All of the units are back. Uh, the turnarounds is over. Some of other factors uh, which I was speaking uh, before uh, are also uh, less hot now. So Belarusia is, like, let's say, back on track. Belarusia is, is uh, again a strategic uh, partner for Russia and keep, keeps buying uh, Russian crudes. So crude oil prices recovered. Uh, Belarusia is, uh, keeps uh, buying and uh, refining uh, Russian crudes. And uh, th there is less, um, uh, this, topic, this topic is less uh, hot, so uh, refineries can, can do their maintenance work. Uh, and um, definitely for the second half of this year, we will see a drop, not a significant one, but uh, still in, uh, uh, something which, which, which your market will feel. Uh, drop in, in output just because uh, of those um, turnarounds which lasted approximately one month for every refinery, for every coke unit. You should keep in mind, uh, an interesting factor is that um, we expect that in November, December this year, uh, Komsomorsk refinery uh, will be back on the market finalizing construction or, or maintenance work at the coker unit which was shut down since March last year, 2019, because of uh, accident, because of uh, fire at, at the coker unit. The coker unit has a quite a small, relatively small capacity, about 200,000 ton per year. But still, this is a very good, a note, great quality, which is uh, in demand now on the market. Right. And will that uh, also support uh, supply, overall supply? Definitely, definitely. The biggest buyer for that material is uh, for sure a local end user, Rusal. Uh, although uh, some volumes would be available for, for export, Ross uh, mm, ran a tender uh, a few weeks ago offering for a term supply next year from Komsomolsk, circa 30,000 tons uh, of, uh, uh, of the pet coke from Komsomolsk. Yeah, thank you, Yuri, for, for that. And uh, how about uh, Russian demand, domestic Russian demand for Russian uh, coke? And we're, we're talking here about mostly anode-grade uh, pet coke because that's product that Russia uh, has. Um, how, how was it in the first half and uh, has it changed from, uh, from July onwards? Uh, speaking about local demand, uh, there are two big end users in Russia uh, which are, which are uh, consuming uh, pet coke. The first is Rusal, definitely. The second one is Energoprom which is uh, producing graphite materials uh, and nodes as well. We, we were checking Rusal uh, operating results for the first uh, half of this year and looks like there was no, uh, there was no change uh, between first, year, first half of the year 
2020 and 2019 in primary aluminium production, like zero change. And it would be very interesting if, um, uh, so we, we're eagerly awaiting for the results of third quarter to see if, uh, if there was a more long-term effect on, uh, on the market, on the aluminium market, uh, because uh, in, in the first half of this year, there was no clear picture on how the pandemics will change demand and will change the market, uh, especially. I believe that they were using uh, uh, nodes which were actually produced even last year. So uh, it, it was a very um, short -term, term perspective to see to see the changes. One more thing we should we should uh, also underline that um, local consumers had big stocks by the end of last year, beginning of this year, which also supported them uh, during the, the during the pandemics and which also supported exports because uh, refineries offered more volumes for export comparing to uh, previous periods. Actually, I was just about to ask about how global demand for Russian coke also paired. Uh, as we know, uh, prices in China uh, for, for anode uh, pet coke have been soaring, uh, particularly uh, from the third quarter onwards. And uh, China is Russia's key export market. Um, so uh, what kind of impact has this had on uh, particularly Russian FOB networks? Uh, it's, uh, have the, has this also forced uh, domestic users to enter in, into a competition? Yes, definitely. China is uh, the biggest uh, market for uh, Russian pet coke. Um, and but increasing uh, prices is a global trend, not only in uh, China or Russia. We see same happening uh, in all other regions. Uh, speaking about China, yeah, prices almost or uh, in some cases almost doubled, or in some cases even uh, uh, raised more than twice, uh, comparing to beginning of this year or spring this year. It was very interesting what was happening after the lockdown in China, because in like in one or two weeks uh, after lockdown, uh, all, all of those measures were lifted, uh, price increased uh, like 50% in one week. And uh, yeah, we, <laughs> we saw nearly the same uh, here in Europe when, when, when the measures also lifted. But uh, speaking about Russia, back, yeah. back, back, back to Russia. <laughs> So definitely that, ha that had a direct impact on netbacks um, for Russian uh, refiners, for Russian producers. The worst situation was in the end of last year, beginning of this year, when we saw negative netbacks at refinery for the Petco. Sure of, of, for, I'm speaking more about the fuel grade Petco, which is uh, yeah, definitely uh, uh, comparable it, it price price is comparable to to coal uh, which is uh, not uh, expensive and uh, you should keep in mind that uh, most of the refineries are located like 2000 kilometers plus 
away from the deep seaports. So the logistics, inland logistics, is rel relatively expensive, and that 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 was also a reason why the netback was negative because of the uh, expensive logistics uh, for bringing uh, that pet coke to to the port. Uh, now, once the prices improved globally and in China as well, uh, we see very strong competition between uh, between the buyers, uh, both locally and in, on on export markets. Yeah, thank you. That's a very interesting uh, perspective to have. So, and has Russian coke been shipping to other markets besides China? And what are the benefits or challenges? of selling to these other markets and if it hasn't been uh, what would uh, have to change for Russian coke to sell for instance to India or any other uh, large consumer yeah if you are speaking about Russian uh, pet coke of different grades um, fuel grade for example fuel grade pet coke uh, is traditionally uh, exported to Black Sea and uh, even Baltic uh, Sea basins. So uh, in the Black Sea basin, sure, Turkey is one of the biggest buyers for Russian pet coke. And um, during the last uh, few years, we saw up to 200,000 tons of pet coke, of Russian uh, origin pet coke supply to Turkish market. This year we would possibly reach 100,000. Uh, in, in, in the Black Sea base, uh, there were also shipments this year to Romania, Moldova, uh, rel relatively small compared to Turkey. Uh, although the, the challenge in the Black Sea is uh, that you cannot form a big shipload deep sea ports are either full of coal and cannot work with pet coke or there are some other technological uh, reasons why they cannot accept pet coke for transshipment so only small ports in azov sea can be used for transshipping pet coke and this allows to form shiploads up to 4.5 5000 tons which are economically effective uh, in range of Black Sea supplies, so or up to up to uh, Bosphorus, Dardanella. Uh, uh, but speaking about the Baltics, um, sure, uh, uh, in, in the uh, shipments from Baltics, sh sure can be uh, formed in in a bigger shiploads, and in last year we saw uh, even to UK, Ireland. Uh, I would say that those shipments are mainly seasonal because um, material is uh, supplied to fuel briquettes and pellets producers uh, for household needs, uh, definitely for winter season. So um, fuel grade fuel grade material is uh, supplied to quite a spread. Uh, to wide uh, geograph geographical directions. Um, speaking about a non-grade material, definitely India is a very interesting market, but um, China usually shows much better 
prices much better netbacks uh, for exporters. During the last five years, there were few shiploads of Azeri pet coke to India, to Indian calciners. Azeri pet coke is an extra low sulfur material. And we saw the last, the last shipment we saw, I think in 2018, formed of um, uh, half Azeri and Turkmen pet coke. But sure, uh, in mid and uh, long term perspective, uh, there would be more um, more shipments uh, to India of uh, Azeri, Turkmen, and possibly even Russian pet coke. Right. Thank you, Yuri. Uh, one other thing that I'm really curious uh, to know your views about is uh, what is the outlook for Russian uh, uh, petcock output in 2021 uh, and if you could be bring a breakdown between uh, between the grades that would be great mm -hmm. so um, in 2021 we expect um, uh, what's new on the market so in 2021 we expect that Komsomolsk will operate on a normal level and this would provide, uh, as, I, as I told, 200,000 metric ton of anode grade material of 1.5% uh, sulfur content for both local and export markets. All, I, would, I told you that uh, most of this volume will be consumed locally and only a small part of that, about 40,000, would be available for export. But we also expect that a new coker, a new coker unit would be started uh, and I'm speaking now in uh, uh, about coker unit in Nizhny Novgorod, uh, which has capacity of about 700,000 ton per year, quite a big one. Uh, the plant quality would be a border quality between a node grade and fuel grade material. It would be 3.5%. Uh, but definitely we'll see the exact quality only after uh, the, uh, the coker unit will be, will be started. Speaking about neighboring countries, by the end of this year, or in the beginning of next year, another new coker unit will be started. Uh, and I'm speaking about Naftan, Belarusian Naftan, with capacity about 400,000 ton and same quality to Nizhny Novgorod border quality between a node and fuel grade uh, with sulfur also about 3.5 percent so summing that up uh, there would be next year there, there would be possibly up to half million tons because uh, Nizhny Novgorod would be started only in autumn uh, end of summer beginning of autumn up to 0.5 million half million tons next year and in 2022 possibly 1 million uh, for these um, refineries for these capacities but also another new coker unit would be started in 2022 which is omsk which is also a big one about 800,000 tons per year so in next two years uh, 
Russian output for Petco will increase uh, at least for 50%. And possibly, uh, we, we don't know if all of the projects which were announced during the last years would be realized, but possibly in the next five years, we would see doubling Petco output from Russian refineries. Uh, wow, that's uh, that's an impressive uh, growth in capacity there. Uh, thanks so much for uh, for the overview. And um, do you think that not only this additional supply that's about to come into the market, but also the existing supply will be mostly absorbed by domestic or international uh, buyers? During the last years, uh, local consumption is very stable. Both for anode and fuel grade, we don't see new consumers or uh, extra needs from the local uh, buyers. And we expect that uh, demand for anode grade material would be still on, on the level of 2 million metric tons. So everything extra, which would be starting or which would be available on the market, uh, would be ready for exports. Sure, subject to effective pricing. Right, and uh, do you have in mind uh, some potential uh, uh, regions where it could go? Uh, will it still be the, the key markets, the current key markets, or will Russian suppliers uh, start looking for new markets as well? I, I would say that uh, this would depend on um, uh, this would depend on location or refineries location uh, the refineries which which are located in Siberia or uh, far east um, would uh, definitely be focused on Chinese market uh, those which are located closer to European borders. Uh, would have good chances to supply both to Europe uh, and to some, you know, niche direction. I would say niche just because those are not traditional or not popular, but uh, I keep in mind the possible supply to India and even in some specific grades uh, or some special grades to North America, uh, there were a few shipments uh, in 2016-2017 to North America of extra low sulfur material. It's, it's, it's a big question, what would be the demand in next year uh, and uh, what would be the global supply in next year. But um, yeah, I hope that Russian refiners have good chances. Well, let's hope so, especially uh, taking into account that supply has been pretty tight uh, in uh, a lot of uh, producing regions uh, so far this year, so uh, maybe this would be uh, very good timing for uh, for those refineries to start up and uh, offer a relief uh, to to other markets as well. Uh, Yuri, I'd like to thank you a lot for your valuable views, and if if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in for the other episodes in our series, the Pet Golf Podcast. For more information on Argus Petroleum Coke coverage, please visit argusmedia.com forward slash petcoke. Thank you.